Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Two questions this week are on a common issue and questions parents often ask and have, and that's dealing with toddlers and hitting. The second is a new topic I haven't really delved into before, although I have touched around it in various ways, and that is a question about balancing setting boundaries as a parent and fostering a friendship with your children. The first question is from Jessica, who writes, Hi, Erin. Love your podcast and your videos. My husband got me a subscription for my birthday, and I'm so excited to watch all the videos. We have a son who is a year and a half and is starting to show a great desire for independence. We started the Power Struggles video and the Discipline Tools for Toddlers video, which were both extremely helpful. I love 123 Magic, and my son is beginning to make choices when I present him options, which is great, too but we're still struggling with hitting. My son hits people when he gets upset because he can't do something or because he got hurt. We've used the positive of be gentle and we've modeled what that looks like, which is great for after he has calmed down. How can we teach him not to hit? I wanna teach him that it's okay to be mad, which I tell him, but not okay to hit. At this age, what are some techniques I can teach him to do when he gets upset so that he doesn't hit? He is beginning to say words and phrases, but that isn't quite developed yet. Any ideas or other videos I can watch? 
Now, obviously, Jessica is a member, and members can send in questions from their login on the website, and I answer them as quickly as I can, which is usually within about 48 hours. So I answered Jessica's question already, and here's what I shared with her. First, I thanked her about her feedback about the videos and the podcast, and I'm really glad that she's finding them so helpful. And then I went on to share that hitting is a common reaction up through age three and even into four, depending on the child. Now, my youngest son, Chandler, was one who really struggled with these emotions and trying to get them in control. Up through about four and a half, almost to five, he would still lose control and hit every once in a while when he got upset. But it does get less and less frequent. And that was the case with Chandler. He got a lot less frequent. First, it was every time he got mad, and then it was a lot less frequently as he got older and as we worked on it. But some kids just take longer to um, to make that connection in their brain between the logical and the um, limbic brain, that reactionary part of the brain. Now, this is partially due to a lack of language ability to express feelings of frustration and also due to brain development, like I said, where the logical brain is just starting to develop. And so the limbic brain, that part that's reactionary, is the part that kicks in first. And so kids react when they only have limited development of that logical piece of the brain. There's not a lot there yet to counteract the reactions, but by coaching and working with our children, we can assist in the development of the logical brain and help the connection, the logical with the feelings, that immediate reaction of the limbic brain so that he can learn to take a moment to consider before he reacts. But expect this to be an ongoing learning process throughout toddlerhood. In the moment, when he hits, you can use a feeling word with it and a description if you have a good inclination as to why. So you could say something like, I can see that you're frustrated because you can't get the block to stay on the stack. Or I see that you're angry because you hurt your arm when you fell down. The feeling words, angry, frustrated, annoyed, irritated, are the ways to help him connect the words, that logical piece of the brain, with the feeling, the limbic part of the brain. It helps the development of connecting these two pieces together. Then you can set your expectation but hitting hurts. If you hit me, I won't be able to stay and play with you. Then the next time he does it, you can remind him, I know you're frustrated that you got hurt, but I don't like to be hit, so I'm going to take a break from playing with you for a few minutes. When you calm down, we can try again. He may get very upset, but it's a logical consequence since no one wants to stay and play with someone if they're going to be getting hurt. Then you want to stay away for up to the same minutes of the age they are. So if they're two, two minutes. If they're four, four minutes. Or until the child is calm enough, then you can come back down and resume playing. If the child is throwing a fit, you don't feel the need to keep explaining. They're too upset to register it anyway. So you wanna wait till they're calmed down and readdress it once the child is calm and you sit back down if you feel it will be helpful. You can say something like, I love playing with you, but I had to leave for a few minutes because I don't like to be hit. Then you can work with him on alternatives once he's calmed down, making a mad face and practice it together. A big, loud exhale. You can practice that together. (sighs) Like when something happens and they're mad, you can do that. Exhale. The mad face with the exhale, using words. Now, if he has those yet or is trying to work on it, try to get him to say, I'm mad. Coach him through it. When you get mad next time, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Let's say it together. I'm mad. When I worked with Chandler on this and it started to click, I would hear him say, I'm so angry. And it was so cute. Also, 
the tantrums class because some of this along with tips for helping during tantrums what to do as your child is calming from a tantrum as well as in the quiet moments to help toddlers connect with their emotions and learn how to respond in more appropriate ways even if the behavior isn't a full-blown tantrum but just a quick outburst or an intense expression of that emotion that's quick We call that tantrum behavior, even if it's not a full tantrum. But the same tips and techniques from the tantrums class can be applied to any of these situations to help toddlers' brains connect to emotions and learn to share more appropriately. You also can work on counting. You may be using the words of, I'm angry or I'm mad or I'm frustrated, or the deep breaths or the counting are another way. When they get angry, count to five before you react. And it helps them learn to put a space in between the feeling and the reaction. Now, there's a lot on how to work with kids on connecting the logical brain with the feeling, especially books to read, games, and exercises. So Jessica's son will be ready for, and others may be better when he's a little bit older. Now, that class is on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. So I gave this information to Jessica already, so she's probably already checked out the class, but for those who haven't, it's on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. The next question comes from Furkan, who wrote, Hi Erin, I was wondering if you could speak about striking the balance between being an authoritative parent, setting limits and restrictions, whilst also being someone the child can turn to for help, fun, and just having a good time. I imagine as a parent, certain decisions will not be popular, like phone restrictions, eating vegetables, etc. Is it possible to be both a friend and parent, or do you need to pick a role and be consistent with it? Now, this is such a great question. I haven't discussed the role of friendship in parenting in that context exactly, but I have shared about building connection, and that connection can be the basis for friendship later in life. Now, for me, my goal is to have a friendship with my kids once they are adults. I want to be one of the ones they come to when they struggle, someone they want to see and spend time with, and that I want to spend time with them, not out of guilt or obligation, but because we genuinely like each other as people. I think the first question to ask ourselves is what do we want that relationship to look like when they are adults? Then we can shape that as they age. Now, some parents may not see a friendship or hanging out together. They may see themselves as more of the parent forever. You'll lean on me, but I don't see myself feeling comfortable leaning on you with my problems. I'll want to live nearby and spoil their kids and have holiday meals and birthdays together, but maybe don't see that leaning on friendship type thing. I'll always be there if they need me or hope that we will be friends that go do things together like shopping or movies or hiking. We can have an idea of what we want that relationship to look like and then shape it, but also be flexible with how things turn out as our kids' lives may lead them in different directions than our idyllic vision. They may get a great job offer in another part of the world that won't allow for all those birthdays and holiday celebrations together or spoiling of the grandkids that we hoped for. As a matter of fact, they may not even have kids or they may wait a really long time. So all of these things are things to consider, remember, and keep in mind. Now, regardless of where life leads us or them in the future, connection is important and is the basis for having influence in their lives. And if we choose and they choose later on, it can also be that basis for friendship that comes down the road. Now, when we come back after a word from our sponsor, I'm going to talk more about connection and the balance between boundaries as an authoritative parent 
and connection and building a foundation for friendship with our kids as they age. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to get into connection, setting parent boundaries while still building connection and a foundation for the friendship that we see in the future. Now connection starts from the earliest days. In those early days, we call it attachment. 
Infants form attachments with their caregivers and the caregiver with the infant. I'm not going to go deep or even really much at all into the process of attachment as that is a whole other subject for a class and a podcast on its own, except to say that the process is a very natural one. It comes very naturally most of the time and isn't something that most parents need to concern themselves with. There are things that can get in the way, but usually the process happens very naturally and very easily through feeding, holding, cuddling, and talking with your infant. Connection continues to build throughout the years through spending quality time together, playing, having meals together, teaching and guiding and coaching, talking, and even more importantly, listening. If you think about it, these are parts of the same basis for building a friendship. But of course, we need to remember above everything else, we are their parents we are responsible to them for teaching and guiding them. And so that always needs to be job number one. There are days when I just wanna make my kids happy and buy them something they really want or take them somewhere they really wanna go and see the excitement on their faces. But if they didn't finish their homework or if they were just rude to their sibling, I can't. Or even if I just feel like it would send the wrong message or spoil them too much, I just can't. Ice cream is fun once a month or so, but twice a week? For one, it loses its excitement. Or picking out a toy while shopping. It's fine a few times a year, but every time we go out shopping, then I'm teaching my kids they don't have to wait for anything in life. They can have whatever they want just by asking. And boy, will life be a disappointment if that's the message I send them. So I know the most important things are these lessons and setting these boundaries setting expectations for their behavior, and as they age, their responsibilities, and holding them accountable for those, so that when they grow up, they learn how to hold themselves accountable. They learn that you earn what you have, it's not given, and that hard work does reap rewards. If you fail, you get back up, and you figure out why, and you try something again, rather than just giving up. If things come too easily, if I give them things too much without them earning it, they're not going to learn this, they're not gonna get out in the world, and be solid, responsible people with good resiliency who work hard. So let's look at the arc of friendship. When my kids were toddlers, in no way did I consider myself a friend. I considered myself a parent and a guiding force in their lives. But in small moments of conversation, when they would share something interesting or new or funny, and we would laugh or connect, there was a spark of the beginning of what could be considered friendship. Now that my kids are almost 8, 8, and 9, my twins turn 8 in less than a month, I do see myself as a friend in some capacities. When it comes to listening to a struggle they had that day with a friend or they're sharing something fun or exciting, when we have fun together going out shopping or on a ride or on a hike or when my oldest rides his bike alongside me when I go running, that's a friendship or pieces of a friendship. Mostly, it's me being a friend to them because I can't and won't dump my adult struggles and problems on their young minds, but it is building of a friendship nonetheless. When my son rides alongside me to keep me company, even when he does ask a million arbitrary questions, I'm expected to answer as I'm struggling to breathe, like, how tall is the tallest person? It's still the basis for a friendship. We're connecting, we're sharing a conversation, and we're spending some quality time together doing something we both enjoy. As my kids continue to develop and grow and mature and become teenagers, there will be more opportunity for friendship. 
but I will still always remember that I am their parent first. My number one job is to make sure they grow up competent, responsible, happy, and well-equipped for life. Friendship will be available and in those moments when it's appropriate, just like it is now, but it still will mostly be a one-way friendship. I may share a few stories or examples of my life of adult struggles that are age-appropriate, but it will be from a place of teaching, not from a place of looking for support from them, like I would with a girlfriend or my husband. If we do build that kind of friendship, it wouldn't be for a very long time until they've been in the adult world for quite a while themselves. With my oldest, we bond a lot over competition and ambition and goals. He's very driven and competitive like me, so I can share lessons about those things. On days when I don't feel like training, but I have a workout on the schedule, I tell him, I don't feel like going today, but I'm going. Do you know why? And he'll ask why. Because it's not about today. It's about December. It's about the race. And if I get to race day and I don't do as well as I wanted, I can only blame myself if I didn't give it 100% every day. Some days it's about discipline. It's not about motivation. You won't have motivation every day. And when you don't, you have to find your discipline. I remind him of the days I struggle when he doesn't want to go to swim practice that day. I remind him of his goals. And actually, I'm such a geek that I made a spreadsheet for him. It has his current personal records in one column, the qualifying times for upcoming events like Junior Olympics and age group championships, as well as time standards that the swimming associations have set up. So there's regional time standards and national time standards. So he can see where he is, what he's qualified for, and how much time he has to drop in other events to qualify in those events for each of these upcoming championships or time standards. And he can set the next goal that he wants. So he set two meets that he would like to go to, the Junior Olympics in the summer and the Coastal Championships this coming winter. And now he can see that all out in one place, look at it every day, and know exactly what he needs to shoot for at his next meets. And it gets him more motivated at practice, or at least hopefully more disciplined getting to practice and doing what he needs to do and doing the hard work. Now, because I know how his mind works, it works just like mine. So we really connect over that kind of stuff. And my daughter likes to do girly things, and I don't consider myself very girly because I'm really athletic, throw my hair up in the ponytail all the time, always in athletic clothes, but I do enjoy the time we spend together doing the things that she likes. She likes to just snuggle and chat and do anything with me. It's very sweet, and I can see us having a very strong friendship and bond as she gets older. We like to go shopping together, and she's really excited about horseback riding. So we're doing a horseback riding birthday, and I'm actually going to ride with the girls at her birthday party, so that'll be really fun. I actually rode dressage in college, so so I actually do really enjoy horseback riding myself. Now, my other son is very loving and snuggly, so we've always had this strong bond that way. He loves to chatter and tell me all kinds of things about science and share what he's learned. So I have a different relationship with each of my kids, and our friendships will be based on different things as they age as well, I can tell. I think I rambled on a bit there, but hopefully my examples were helpful and explained the balance of friendship and parenting fairly well. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, or if this topic stirred up more questions for you, or would like some clarification, feel free to reach out by sending an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.